1: You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni, part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network.
2: Doug, I promise I'm not trying to replace you. I wanted to bring in Wendy Thurm, who's our guest this week. Wendy, welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
1: I'm delighted.
2: It's been a long time since we spoke.
1: It has been too long.
2: For those of you out there listening who don't know, Wendy Thurm is a lawyer and a baseball writer who's written for The Athletic, ESPN, Fanagraphs, Deadspin, Rest in Peace, Vice, Rest in Peace. And now she writes on her Substack, Hanging Sliders. She's a longtime friend of the Croncast, and she once gave me some really sound dating advice, which I'm very appreciative of. Wendy, welcome.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. So we have 59 minutes to discuss the dating advice I gave you and one minute to talk about the Giants.
2: I think most listeners might give that. That might be a fair trade.
1: <laughs> uh, but the the
2: dating advice was just simply like, not this one. That was your dating
1: advice. <laughs> I wish I could remember the context. It's no yes.
2: problem. There's no need to remember it. It all worked out. <laughs>
1: Okay. Wait, yes. it, it wasn't just, that
0: one. So there's nothing to remember. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Right. <laughs> I would say for all of your listeners, if you're not sure and you don't think he or she or they are the one, they're probably not. Like, that's my advice.
2: Yeah, that's great advice. That wasn't the context of the advice that you gave me. It was just like, should I this? Maybe we're kind of interested in each other. And you're like, no, not this one. So you like <laughs> it was more like a matchmaker situation. You could see oh, the two okay. you could see the two personalities and you're like, if it's physical, let it fizzle. <laughs> kind uh,
1: <of> <laughs> OK,
2: speaking of fizzling, let's talk about the Giants week here.
1: <laughs> that, way. that was beautiful. Joe Rizzo and FP could only dream of such a <laughs> of such a transition.
2: It's been one and four this week. They didn't go one and five this week because they, uh, a game was canceled. The, we are recording this in the uh, aftermath of a really strange Sunday where Detroit was basically kind of edging the Giants all day. of Like, maybe we'll play a baseball game. Maybe we'll play a baseball game. Nah, we're not going to play a baseball game today. And so the Giants have one really solid win against the Dodgers and then just vomit and diarrhea the rest of the week. Does that is that the long and short of it? Did I encapsulate their performance?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there was one, there were a couple points in there where you thought that like things were getting better. So, like, they they vomit right and they come back and you're like, oh, they got it all out, and then they didn't. Then there was more,
2: yeah, that's what it felt like for sure. Uh, you know what? The giants are kind of a little depressing, and I want to follow my rundown just a tiny bit, Wendy. It's been a long time since we've talked about baseball with you. I don't, and it's been so much has happened, but like th- this does tie into the Giants a little bit. The Giants are one of the worst teams in terms of the automatic balls. They're they're kind of having a lot of pitch clock violations. But I want to tie into the larger idea. Uh, how are you dealing? How are you doing with the new rule changes this year? Is there anything about MLB this year that's like, huh? We should talk about that.
1: I I'm I'm pleased with them so far. Um, I haven't been to a game in person yet, so. Uh, I, of those that have been, my underst- from things that I've read and friends that I've talked to have said it can feel a little frantic at the ballpark. Um, it definitely feels frantic when you're watching and listening, particularly if you're watching and listening to broadcasters that you've listened to for a long time because you can tell that they can't either go at their normal pace or they don't tell stories as much or I mean in many cases, they come back from commercial and there's already been a pitch. So I think there's, you know, everyone's going to have to adjust a little bit, you know, for sure. Uh, There's a lot less like John Miller banter, which I think is overall bad for the experience of being a Giants fan. But I think having quicker games, I think having a lot less of adjusting the botting gloves and stepping off the mound and touching the rosin bag and throwing over to first base 15 times. All of that overall, I think, is really good for the game. I think adjusting to that in kind of the short and medium term, there'll be some bumps in the road. And, you know, it's some, some pitchers have adjusted to it better than others, particularly on the Giants. Uh, you know, Camilo Duvall seems to be, you know, having, I think, the hardest time adjusting to it. I don't think that's why he gave up that crushing home run the other night um, when he should have just walked the batter at that point, at that, that's my, that's my take on that. So I, overall I'm pleased. I mean, I I think having more, you know, having more base dealing is really good. I think, um, you know, we'll see whether the bigger bases cut down on injuries, but overall I'm, I'm pleased.
2: Doug, what about you? Anything two weeks in that you're like, huh, don't care for that. Or yeah, I really Uh like it.
0: I mean, yeah, honestly, the, the new rules for this year, I think they're fine. Like they, I don't have a problem with them. I never had a problem. I, I when I heard about the pitch clock, I was in my mind kind of like, yeah, you know, like re- over the off season when they when they said they were going to do it. I was like, yeah, I mean, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You have a bunch of Pedro Baez is up there taking 40 seconds between pitches. This is what the league has to do. This is the pitchers. This is the fault of pitchers throughout the league. They take too long. Now they, now they got to step in and mandate it. Um, it's working about the way you would expect, uh, by which I mean, I'm sure it's hurting the giants. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) because it always seems to hurt the giants. I'm, I'm maybe biased. Um, but the only, the only rule that I really hate is the one that's been around for a while. The, the goat, well, not a ghost runner, but the runner in extra innings, the Manford man, um, the opposite of a ghost runner. Uh, because you know, you saw it in the two games in Detroit they were able to play, that those extra inning games just like sucked. Like you, you get into extra innings, you're like, Oh, we're we're already tense and annoyed and like everyone just wants to go home. And it just yeah. it it makes extra innings feel much worse than they used to.
2: I completely agree with your the the players had their chance to police this themselves. It's totally the pitcher's fault, so yeah, I don't feel sorry for them there. I agree. I like I think the most most of the new rules or the three big ones that they've been advertising, I think they all work. I want to complain though. MLB TV, MLB the app at app has never been worse. It is absolutely garbage. I don't know what they did to it. It had a peak in 2021 where it was awesome. You would get the highlights almost as soon as they happened, the scores, the the audio if you listened online. The, the delay was very minimal. And now it's like, easily. this is when the games, as to Wendy's point, the games are moving at such a clip, you're still like three or four pitches behind in some cases. Uh, the score is wonky. The interface doesn't intuitively put you to your team's audio of the game that's recording. It like jumps to the previous day. You have to close the, it's like really weird how they've screwed up one of their prized things, I guess, because they've sold off all their technology. It doesn't matter. Um, and then, this is my other thing. Joe Ritzo's mic. somebody fix the levels. What is going on? There? <laughs> I can't stand it. And he's the only one whose voice sounds, uh, who hits the distortion level. So two weeks in, it's been a rough, it's been a rough experience with baseball to say nothing about the giants, but, Wendy, you've been away from baseball for so – or writing about baseball. What finally pushed you to come back and say (laughs) it's got to be a sub stack and it's going
0: to be all the sports or all the teams? Was it that the Giants are super interesting and good this year?
1: Yeah. No, that was not it at all. (laughs) Um, So I just – before I answer that question, which is a good one, I want to pile on on the MLB at-bat thing, which is – it's so frustrating. So in addition to all of the things that you mentioned – the other problem that I have is uh, I go for a lot of like really, really long walks or solo hikes, and I take the at-bat with me, and you're listening to a game, and then all of a sudden, it will just reverse 15 seconds for no reason, and just you'll just hear the last 15 seconds of play-by-play that you've heard, and it will just happen over and over again in a game, right? So you have to take out your phone and press mm-hmm. live and bring it back. Anyway. So I know that
2: was happening last year. I remember that was happening last year. And I
1: complained about it last year. I sent emails (laughs) and, and, you know, added MLB, whatever on Twitter. And it's, it's just terrible. But I agree. It's, it's very, it's very frustrating to, um, you know, they're supposed to be the cream of the crop when it comes, you know, they were they were there, you know, MLB, um, advanced media, you know, kind of set the standard for a whole host of, um, you know, both on the phone and digital streaming for sports. And it's, it's just really frustrating to have a, um, to have a product that has so many problems.
2: Oh, the tracking game feature has worked for me. Okay. So I do kind of like that. So one positive, but at the risk of, what made it so good? I don't think that's a fair trade, to be honest. So
1: Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So to answer your question. So, um, yeah, so the last time uh, the last season that I fully covered was 2016. And, um, and I, it, there were a variety of reasons why I stopped writing about baseball after that, largely having to do with, um, my dad took ill and I basically was kind of flying back and forth to where my parents lived to, kind of care for him and be with him. And then um, after the election, uh, when Trump got elected, it just felt like writing about baseball felt a little frivolous. Um, uh, that's, that's, That's making it sound a little bit, I don't know. But in any event, I kind of threw myself into... Um, my father did eventually pass and I kind of threw myself into a lot of, um, progressive causes and other kinds of things, um, after, after Trump was elected. And, um, and I, I've been doing that and I've been, I've been writing like a whole bunch of stuff, um, like internal stuff. I've been, I've been doing a whole variety of different writing projects over the last however many years, um. And now I'm an empty nester. Both my kids are off at college and I just had to spent a lot of time in the fall thinking about kind of how I wanted to spend my time now, now that I'm an empty nester. And I decided that I wanted to get back to something that made me really happy, which was watching a lot of baseball and writing about baseball. And so, um, you know, I pursued different options for that. I was in touch with a lot of editors that I used to work with. Um, and it just seemed like the Substack was the best way to go for me. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I started up, it's been about four weeks. I think I've published 17 posts already. Um, and it's, it's been a good response. I mean, it's not been like overwhelming response, but it's been a good response. Um, I do know that one David B. Fleming is a subscriber. So I'm, um, you know, just waiting for the shout out on some (laughs) brilliant thing that I write. And that will send my subscribers, you know, through the roof. Um, So it's, yeah, I really like, um, so for those who haven't had a chance yet to check it out, I mean, I, you know, it's, I'm writing about kind of things across the board. I don't think I've written much about the Giants yet because there really hasn't been anything that interesting to write yet about the Giants. Well, um, I mean
2: the name of your, your sub stack is Hanging Sliders. That's ostensibly about the Giants. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, perhaps, but it is, it's like, so when I first started writing about baseball, my Twitter handle was Hanging Sliders. And I kind of uh I kind of became known as that. Um, when I had, when I had decided to move on and do other things, I changed my Twitter handle just to my name, Wendy Thurm. But, um, I kept a lot of th- hanging sliders things. Like I have hanging sliders at Gmail as my work, work email and things like that. And so, you know, I toyed with different titles for the Substack, and my husband's just like, no, just go with hanging sliders. Cause that's what people know you as. Um, so being the marketing genius that he is, that's what I decided to do.
2: Uh, I think it's great. I'm I'm excited. I'm subscribed too. So you've got two famous subscribers. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anyone asks you, like, yeah, Dave Fleming and Brian Murphy, and like Brian Murphy can be our, and you're like Brian Murphy, yeah, for sure. Brian Murphy, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, let's let's force you to talk about the Giants for at least a few minutes here. Uh, the Logan Web extension was also the big news of the week, probably the biggest news of the week, right? And five-year extension. So five after this year, $90 million, which, oh, I nailed it. I nailed it back in January, but you know, no credit because who cares? But <laughs> I'm bringing this up as a subject. We're all glad Logan Webb is there, uh, but I was, I'm wondering if you think this has any PR, if this is kind of 50-50 PR and talent because i don't know doug am Am i way off the line here we have talked about this before like the giants maybe don't have a policy against limiting their deals but they certainly would prefer not to hand out long-term contracts um i don't know i'm going to read you both a quote but i want to get your t- your your sense first of the um of the logan web extension you're just happy wendy no no other thoughts beyond that
1: um i I don't know that I'm happy about it. I mean, I think it's good that Zaidi broke the seal on paying pitchers for more than one year at a time. Um, You know, I think we got, like, I'm still, I I know that Kevin Gosman wanted to head back to the East coast for family reasons, but I still feel burned about that. And I think, you know, I think the Rodon thing will actually end up looking good for us because who knows how much he's going to pay play for the Yankees with his injuries and whatnot. so I, I I would say, I'm glad the seal is broken. I'm a little concerned about like where Logan Webb is. I was looking forward to seeing him pitch today in anticipation of us talking about this. Um, I don't think he's looked that great. I mean, <laughs> my daughter texted me from college and said, I mean, if you put aside the home runs, he's actually looked pretty good. (laughs) I was like, okay, if you put aside the run scoring things that have happened in which he's become 0-3 with a a, a fairly substantial ERA, like, yeah, sure. Um, I was just laughing with her. But so I, um, you know, it's one of these things where are people figuring him out? What's going on early in the season? Home runs in general are up across the league.
0: But they, also have,
1: but they also have been playing in fairly cold weather places so far. So like, I haven't really analyzed his mechanics. Not that I would be in a position to really be able to identify, you know, what may be off for him. So I think for me, the jury is out on whether this was a, a smart baseball move, because um, I'm a little concerned about whether he is an ace or not.
2: Doug rebuttal. No, I'm just kidding. Doug. You're...
1: <laughs> yes. I would. I'd like to hear what both of you have to say. Um, I mean, I'm not
0: that concerned about what I've seen from web so far this year. I think there has been a little bit of an adjustment period to the new pitch clock rules. Um, and we should factor that in, you know, it's one of the things I've talked about in the broadcast a few times that, you know, sometimes you need to take a minute to cool down you don't know how to do that. Well, they've started to figure out ways like Alex Wood was like, yeah, if you need a minute, just, just throw the ball, just say you need a new ball and the umpire will throw you a new ball and that'll give, buy you some time, which isn't something maybe he had in that New York game. I'm not happy with how he's pitched so far, but I don't think that's a broken pitcher. I don't think that's a pitcher that's that far off from, uh, uh, from where he, he was before. I think that, um, he just, missed a few times when he didn't miss before. Uh, and he'll, I think he'll basically be fine. I mean, I could be totally wrong about that because that's, you know, it's how it works that you're wrong about baseball a lot if you talk about it too much. Um, but if you like look at fan graphs, his uh, his, his FIP is way high because he's giving up homers on 31% of the fly balls he's giving up. Um, and that won't last. So as long as that comes back down the way it does for basically every pitcher who's not injured, um, I think he'll be fine. His Right now, his, his expected FIP is the best in his career. You know, he's clearly doing some things wrong to give up all the home runs, but I don't think that'll last. And honestly, in today's game... 90 million dollars is not that much uh which sounds kind of crazy but um you know if that contract goes bad it it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt too much so i think it it was basically a baseball move i don't think the pr had a lot to do with it i think especially when the trend is to lock up young players to to medium to long-term deals um that's about all you're going to want to that's about everything you could hope for and the front office probably didn't want to go past five years that probably five years was where they were comfortable um buying out a couple of free agent years but also retaining also making sure they're not going super long term
2: yeah i he looks like he has struggled in uh, for phases in the last two seasons and this kind of looks a little bit in that, we, in that realm of this is what he looks like when he struggles, but the juice balls certainly aren't helping. I think the Giants' defense is better generally this year, but I think the limitations on the shift could have something to do with it. Uh, last week, Doug, we highlighted that uh, Tim Anderson uh, fracas he got into, and I think maybe just not quite having the uh, ability to quick pitch, or you know what I mean? Like just some of his tricks – he can't quite use that that all could play into it it's still early enough in the season three starts i don't know i hit me up again in like five starts and we'll see where it's at because it feels like almost the giants have other things to concern themselves with i do wonder about the catching situation <laughs> uh wendy doug and i made some predictions and i was like is roberto perez and joey and joey bark going to be the catching tandem barring by the end of the season, barring injury, and Doug's like, "That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, barring injury." <laughs> and and so, <laughs> it's been nothing but injuries, and here we are, and it's Joey and now, Bart and and now Blake Austin Sabler.
1: wins, and yeah. now Austin wins is a Los Angeles Dodger.
2: Yeah,
0: who saw that coming? It, I don't know. Everybody going to take <laughs> all the giant
1: secrets of how to suck <laughs> to
0: the Dodgers. Actually, this is great. Well, so, I don't I'm know. Gonna...
1: They've been doing a pretty good job of it so far. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, the Giants are terrible. Oh, good. The Dodgers just lost two out of three to the Cubs. I feel so much better.
2: <laughs> so here's why I, w- I was throwing in what what part of this could have potentially been a PR ploy. Taking into consideration that when all these deals were falling through for the Giants this offseason, etc., or when they were making moves, you know, it was kind of like, oh, Conforto, they had Haniger and Conforto and Taylor Rogers. like, oh, that means they're going to lock up Logan Webb, right? And then it's the Giants being like, nope. And so I'm reading this Alex Pavlovich piece about it. And he had this segment. He said, Webb made sure that was never a secret during negotiation. Oh, Webb always wanted to play for the Giants. He wanted to stay for the Giants. Webb made sure that was never a secret during negotiations that didn't gain much traction in the offseason and looked dead in the water after the Giants made a much lighter long-term offer in January. They agreed instead to a one-year deal to avoid ar- arbitration, but website and Giants president of baseball operations for anxiety stayed in touch. So that to me is like what changed from January to April. You know what I mean? That, that made me wonder Uh, You know, soft on ticket sales uh, that, you know, the ticket holders that they did have were asking that question. So, I don't know. It just seems like the Giants, maybe this can broaden into the larger question. That's why I posed, though, was there a PR contingent uh, element to this? But I guess what I'm kind of getting at, doesn't it kind of feel like the Giants are stuck in the mud for the time being? Talent wise. Yes they have to add, they have to keep Logan Webb because who knows if they're going to get a number, Wendy, whether you think he's an ace, it's like, when are they going to get a one, two or three starter for three years from now? You know, if, if they figure out how to fix Ross stripling, you know, God bless him, Uh, and maybe they'll have him next year, but after that, what, who are they going to have? So, um, in that sense, it seems like, okay, maybe it's not strictly PR. Maybe it's higher than you said, Doug, maybe it's more than zero, but it definitely seems from a baseball move. It's not just lock up our good pit, our good players. It's lock up anyone who's willing to play for us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. just real quick. This is the longest deal that Farns ID has signed a player to, uh, I think in Dodgers and giants, right? Oh, no, no. Mookie, but, Mookie bets was after he left. So no, he's never signed a deal this long for this much money as a president of baseball operations, which is another reason I'm like, well, isn't that just where ownership gets involved? Cause he's never made a deal that big before. So, you know what I mean? Like, that's why I was thinking like, this has to have some PR element.
1: Yeah. I, I, I just want to say, I, I, I think that there's something to what you're pointing out. Um, I mean, there, I don't know if we're going to get into it on, on this podcast, but they're they're kind of flailing as a franchise at the moment. I don't know what the plan is. I mean, I know it's the. Uh, I mean, I know what Larry Bear says the plan is, and I know that for as long as he's been around, you know, they've been of the view we can't do a real rebuild because our fans would not, uh, you know, put up with it. But the fans aren't putting up with this either. Um, you know, I, I expect that they're going to come in kind of in the middle on, um, attendance this year, which is really bad for them. Um, you know, kind of given where they've been since the ballpark opened in, in the year 2000. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what the plan for this franchise is and I watch a lot of games and follow this franchise. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, Forbes says they're the fifth most valuable franchise in Major League Baseball, but, I mean, they have a beautiful ballpark. They're building some stuff, you know, they're putting up retail office space, which, of course, we need more of in San Francisco, empty office space. Um, so, I I mean, it's a big-picture thing. but uh, So, I think the PR angle of, no, we're still here. We're making good baseball moves. We're locking down, you know – are one potential all-star. Um, I, I it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if that were part of it.
2: Uh, one thing about the the neighborhood that I've kind of been going on and off in my mind about uh, you know it's this is the year it's launching. I think it's in towards the fall that Mission Rock will finally be like we've arrived, we're open for business. And one thing I think about in terms I'm it's very easy to say like oh San Francisco is struggling, etc. The giants have basically bought a neighborhood in the city, which they, they did that 20 years ago. That's not the question, but now that their plan is really taking shape there. Uh, it's kind of like Disney taking over. What is it? What is the name of the city in, in, uh, in Florida?
0: Like one. Uh,
2: yeah. But they're basically doing that version of, you know, they're picking who goes in there. You know what I mean? It's a very manufactured or, um, uh, uh, curated uh, neighborhood that they're creating a certain type of X or Y or Z. And I wonder if they, I'm sure they've done all the market research. I'm wondering how much of a baseball audience is that curated crowd and, and if that can affect things, I don't know. Cause I am just getting a lot of Santa Clara vibes off of the whole mission rock thing. And, and that's what, especially when I, when I went there, uh, cause I didn't, I haven't gone to a game yet this year, but I went last year. And just sort of the feeling I felt around there was not just empty office space, but sort of like this is where people come to and then leave instead of a place where people come to and stay. And I think if you're trying to build a neighborhood, you want the one where people stay and and then and then attract other people. But if everyone's leaving all the time, it seems like it's going to be a big problem. Basically, it's like, I'm kind of not impressed. There's not an energy to it that uh, makes me uh, excited for the the neighborhood around the ballpark. And then, of course, the team on the field, uh, not exciting. The prospect situation, not exciting. And I think I'm mentioning this because you see a lot of chatter, like all the beat writers who, you know, they have a, a tough task when they decide to tweet right? They're opening themselves up to a lot of knuckleheads. And the idea that, you know, Sidi and Kappler have to be fired or something. The reason why I said stuck in the mud is I don't see, there's no one else better to get in to do the job that they're doing. Like there's no magic turnaround in sight because it seems like player development really is a coin toss and there's nothing you can do about it. So I don't know what they can do to, except uh, wait, Wait a couple months and see how things play out. I mean, we're literally talking about 14 games the Giants have played, and that yeah, they largely don't look good. Uh, and it's hard to draw; it's hard to rational to draw large conclusions from that. But we are kind of going off the last three years. So I don't know. Is that your feeling? Am I saying completely out of line here, Wendy? Or
1: well, I mean, I don't. Uh, I don't know that I want to say that player de- that dra- that that drafting and player development is a crapshoot, um, because some teams just. Wait, do are it-
2: crapshoots better odds than a coin toss or worse?
1: Oh, okay, <laughs> I don't know a coin toss. Sorry,
2: I'm being I- fair on a coin toss. <laughs> okay. The Giants um, have certainly played it like it's a crapshoot.
1: Okay, sure. fair enough, fair enough. I was looking, I was looking up the Mission Rock website while you were um talking. rambling about so, it. Yeah, I, exactly. I misheard you. Nope, no rambling at all. Um I I don't know that I believe that because some teams are really good at doing it consistently, like the Dodgers and the Rays, at a minimum, there are probably are others. The Yankees are not terrible at it.
2: The Cardinals um
1: the cardinals although I'm you know Cardinals I think are not for whatever reason they're they're off to a slow start as well um so but I mean they're I mean they're the cardinals their two marquee players are you know they got by trades so
2: which they could do because um, they had prospects to trade
1: and then people are willing to sign you know sign deals there I mean I you know I think there's so uh, I don't know that I think it's a coin toss. And so I don't know that I'm willing to say there aren't people out there that can do a better job than what, you know, uh, than, than what Zaidi's done. But, I mean, I mean, there's a, you know, there's an entire philosophy around the Zaidi and Kepler thing, right, which is matchups and platoons um, and you know you, you you use a player to the to the extent of his strength and then you don't put him in you know and so you know that turned into 107 wins in 2021 but and when when we look back on it i think the part of it is like what like how <laughs> like it, literally everything that had to go right went right um and then you could see with almost essentially the same roster last year um, I remember so many times thinking, Gabe Ka just he used up every bit of his bullpen like making the right moves. He used it all up in 2021, right? So if you're if you're going to have a roster construction and an approach, which is kind of you know matchups and not you know one through well one through eight or one through nine every day, that kind of looks the same then you also have to make the right decisions all the time. And he ran the table in 2021 and they didn't run the table. No, you know, some people fell off and some people didn't play to the same extent. You know, I mean, obviously. Um, But I I mean, I guess my question is, is that the correct organizational philosophy for the fifth most valuable franchise in the league? Um, And so, I I mean, that's something I think, you know, to ponder. um,
2: I, I feel like I pondered it,
1: <laughs> and?
2: and I they're stuck in the mud. I think it is they are on the correct course, not because of twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one was a huge fluke, and they had Buster Posey. You know what they need? They need a, another Buster Posey type. Which good luck, but that is the quirk. That is the. The goal of the farm system is to be able to find the next Posey, Belt, and Crawford. And if you want to go Linsicum, Kane, and Bumgarner, sure. But and the position player front—that's what's got to come through. And I guess to all to address all your points, we—they are the fifth most valuable team that none of the best, the top of the market free agents want to actually come play for, unless it's a huge overbid. And even then, the Giants can run into some complete once in a generation bad luck like with korea and the medical and it getting out and blah 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 they have a they have probably plenty of data that shows long term deals to pitchers especially guys who are right around 30 you know past their 30s not great so that limits their market on their own should they take more risks in that regard i'm sure they will i think this logan web deal would kind of they would consider that one of those risks we can debate them on that in terms of the farm system Why I say it's luck, do they have the right personnel in there? I think historically the San Francisco Giants, whatever, you mentioned all those other teams, uh, whether it's the Rays or the Yankees or whatever, there is some element of the the relationships that their their scouts, their international management, whatever, they've been able to build better foundations and then grow them from there. I think the Giants have always had... They've always been building on sand in some regard or just haven't had as uh, they haven't had as fertile uh, crop to or land to grow their international uh, development from. So they are always playing catch up. And especially when they're playing against the Dodgers, uh, you know, the Dodgers know all the secret uh corners the the shortcuts to getting where they need to be these other teams with a lot of history and the giants are just going to always be behind there so they have to be smarter than everybody and sometimes that means they'll get 2021 and sometimes as terrible as last year wound up being i still think winning 81 games with that roster especially the way it was playing shows that the math that they have still works pretty well this is me half-heartedly defending them (laughs) by the way
1: (laughs) yeah i'm in
2: shock I mean, I just, cause I just, I look at it and I go, well, I can see what they're doing. It's, it's very clear and we can see when it works, why it works. It's not a mystery. Are they missing the the extra 2% of taking a couple of risks here and there? Sure. But they kind of are in a situation where they can't, they can't sign a bunch of five-year deals uh, because they have the money to spend and risk it because they have to keep signing a bunch of free agents to plug all their gaps so they do have to be nimble with the short term deals for high money because they have to keep swapping out parts until they actually get a new car and they haven't been able to buy a new car for whatever reason to to drive the thing so that's where I'm at with them and it's really frustrating I think everyone's frustrations are valid but you know until Marco Luciano Marco Luciano is not even playing right now you know I mean like until they get a player or two like that um, they're not
0: going anywhere it's not going to happen so I, don't, I I just want to want to add one thing before we move to the next topic. A lot of this is because they've done a terrible job drafting in the first round. I mean, there's just not really any way around that. Uh, Hunter Bishop is, you know, he's out for the year again. He's barely seen the field. Joey Bart has been, you know, at his best in the majors. Okay. Uh, it's, it has been a very long time since this team got a significant contribution from someone who they drafted in the first round. And there isn't one coming anytime soon. I mean, Patrick Bailey. Now people are saying nicer things about Patrick Bailey, but they're still basically talking about him. Like he's going to be a backup catcher in the majors. Um, you know, Tyler Beattie went to either Japan or Korea. I can't remember. Uh, just, they just keep washing out. And the, the one time they got somebody who was pretty good, Uh, which was Brian Reynolds in the second round, they traded him away. And so you look at the way they just keep failing at getting the top talent and developing it. I mean, it's, that's the core of their problem right there. They haven't had an impact first round player, I think since Joe panic. And Joe panic has retired.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent with, 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 with Doug, um, which is, I feel like if you if you turn on any game on MLB MLB TV, you turn on, you know, whatever, you have the afternoon off, and you get off early from work and you you turn on an East Coast game. Every team has some like exciting prospect that either has just been called up or they're talking about or just hit 17 home runs in a game in AAA or whatever. And there's nobody, right? Like, no, there, <laughs> there's no one. Um that anyone is really all that excited about with the Giants. Um, Like, so I don't, I mean, do we just have to say, well, they're just stuck in this position? I mean, I think it's a problem that they have not drafted well um, in the, you know, I agree. I agree with everything that Doug said.
2: Let's talk about what we saw that we liked from the week as such as it is. The Giants playing the uh, Dodgers and the Tigers. I'll say my little piece real quick. Doug, I said that the Giants, are. there's like nine teams they're not competitive against and 14 that they are and then like six, what is that? Then five that they're, there's six that they're better than. So whatever the ratio was, we can safely put the Dodgers with the Yankees on the tier that they're not competitive with. Uh, As bad as things went against the Royals and the Tigers, I mean, they were in those games. I guess what I like to see is uh, better results on the relief end of things, but maybe we will never see that this year. Um, good call on John Brebbia, by the way. You totally nailed that he would be the <laughs> Thanks. one to lose it. Uh, but let's start with Doug. Doug, yeah. what would you like about
0: the Giants this year or this week? Uh, I liked the one game they won. <laughs> I think that was the that was it. It's, I mean, it's hard to talk about upsides from this week because – it was a bad week. I guess I will say Anthony Di Scalfani. I was very skeptical about Di Scalfani coming into the year. And he has he has done as much as he can over his first few starts to prove me wrong. He um, he looked really good again. Um, I know it was against the Tigers, but the Tigers scored, I think, seven runs in both games against the Giants. And only three of them came against Di Scalfani, And if we're being honest, with how Brandon Crawford played defense behind him, that's an amazing testament to what Di Scalfani did. He had a really good start that it's incredibly promising to see him pitching the way he has in the early going. And so there's a lot of negatives, which we'll get to, but I think that is a really big deal for the Giants.
2: Wendy, did Doug take your answer?
1: No, my bright (laughs) spot was going to be J.D. Davis. um, Yeah. yeah. um, no, he seems to be – I haven't looked at his – barreling up rate um but he you know the the look test is that he seems to be making um good contact loud contact he's hitting home runs but he's not only hitting home runs i mean his walk rate is a little bit lower than i'd like it to be and his strikeout rate is high but it pales in comparison to most of the team um which is striking out at you know astronomical rates um and he's Playing pretty good defense. Um, so he's my bright spot for the week. You know, he's also 30 and prone to injury and <laughs> will probably break at some point. I was pleased by JD Davis's um his play and I'm excited, looking forward to his at bats.
2: Yes, he's been my guy all off season that I was most excited about. I'm happy to see David VR still kinda hanging in there, but I, I gotta I have to say Tyler Rogers is shoving me in a locker so hard this year and I'm so happy. Wendy, I'm sure you didn't know this, but I I've never been a big Tyler Rogers guy. He always seems like the way I've uh, been very cruel about talking about him was he seems like the mascot guy that you get when your team's on a rebuild. And he's the one that pumps up the rebuilding players. And uh, <laughs> I just never really took him. Like he seems like he would have been on one of those Orioles teams a few years ago, you know, just like, yeah, look, we got him. He he throws uh, unconventionally, but you know he's pitched eight innings, hasn't allowed a run. Uh, he's got six strikeouts. You know, and and I think he's hit the ground running. Hard to believe he's the most stable presence in the bullpen, but here we are. We could talk about all the negatives. The Max Muncy thing just is like Fuck
1: Max Muncy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. I, I yes. Brian, I don't care for him. <laughs> to the moon. Have you guys have you got you have you guys spent much time talking about the the whole picky backing thing? Yet?
2: No, we haven't really talked about it. We can.
1: I understood it in the beginning of the season. Uh, pitchers haven't built up their arm strength. You want to have guys that are used to going a couple of innings, piggybacking on each other. Okay, that's fine. But I don't really understand what the plan is now. So, I mean, like, I mean, I was very pleased to see that he let Dee go seven, I think it was seven yesterday. Um, you know, he pitched through the errors and, 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 and limited that, um, limited the damage in that inning. Um, but, you know, I think it was it Sean Manaya that was pitching incredibly well last Saturday when they, you know, he took him out, put in Ross Stripling. That was the end of that game. And I think Marty Lurie was talking about this a little bit during the rain delay, which is they, they kind of have a lot of long relief people, but they don't, but because of that, They don't have a lot of, like, they don't have room on the roster for, like, situational, a lot of situational pitchers. Now, whether they have situational pitchers in AAA that they would want to bring off that they think are ready or whatever. But I think doing the piggybacking thing is fine as far as it goes, but not if you can't get seven solid innings out of that tandem. If you can't get seven solid innings out of that tandem, then it's really counterproductive. What do you got? What do you guys think? I would say obviously
0: it hasn't gone well, specifically because Ross Stripling has been so bad this year. So bad. He's been awful. I think I I can see the theory. I can see why they want to do that. Like in my mind, sure it makes sense. You start Sean Manaya. They load up, the other team loads up their their lineup with as many right as they can. Then after, then while he's still effective, before he fades, you put in another pitcher who should, in theory, be good and right-handed. Ross Stripling. And then you have these righty-righty matchups and then they either have to burn their entire bench or they get forced into disadvantageous, uh, you know, matchups with nothing but righty-on-righty. They ran into the problem that Ross Stripling is awful, um, which, you know, would be a problem basically whenever he pitched, but it's, it's hurting a lot right now. And that's, I think, the core of the thing they need to fix because he shouldn't be this bad. Like, I understand. Like, you watch him and you go, yeah, he's this bad. But um, historically, based on who he's been, he shouldn't be so awful. Um, so either he's hurt or he's tipping pitches or they they need to get in there and do some kind of phantom, phantom IL mechanic fixing in Sacramento. I'm not going to say the line I used to say about Jake McGee. <laughs> Um and and get, it's it, the, get it's him. It's the right. surest way to fix him, Doug. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he works on his mechanics in Sacramento. He's saved. Um yeah. Well, also the balls being juiced could have something to do with yeah. it. It's it's conspicuous that Ross Stripling, it's like anytime a, a baseball bat touches the ball, it's going 400 feet. It's like that shouldn't happen. <laughs> so.
1: No, I mean that that is that i mean the amount the the number of home runs per nine that he's giving up it's more than twice what he gave up in any other season in his career um for sure but i mean it's not like i mean okay whatever say what you want about era or expected era I mean i'm looking at his stats i mean he did he didn't pitch that well in 2020 2020 was a weird year because of the pandemic but in 2021 um, you know, he pitched okay for the Blue Jays and he he pitched much better last year for them, but he's also, you know, 33 years old. So I mean, I hope he's fixable. Dave, Dave who's GGG Giants or Dave GG Giants, you know, he's been he's been harping on Twitter on on that interview that Larry Bear gave, or comments that Larry Bear gave to uh the Mercury News at the beginning of the season about, you know. Oh, I think once you know, I you know, I know, I know the fans are disappointed um, with how the off season you know started, but once they see what our plan is, once they get excited about Ross Stripling and Taylor Rogers, you know, they'll see what our plan is. <laughs> like every time something happens with either one of those two, you know, he he retweets that quote um, from Larry Bear, but it is you know, so it's like I, I I kind it's like they were supposed to be the big you know. They were going to, that was the final thing that was going to put us over the edge against the Padres and the Dodgers this year.
2: The uh, I, the piggybacking, I mean, it really only feels like it's happening with Mania and Stripling. Junis is basically a reliever and has looked really sharp. Uh, he's got, he goes multiple innings when he comes out. And Alex Wood, both of his appearances have been starts uh, and he's looked good, but in terms of the piggybacking, it it's because it seemed like when they were assigned, both those guys were coming off of that kind of situation last year where they were both starters and relievers. And so for me in my head, I kind of just, uh, I figured that the Giants were going to use spring training and probably the first month of the season to see if they could finesse the things about each guy that they like and also keep them pitching and figure out what's going to happen with the rotation, with injury, et cetera, Because they, they do have a lot of starters. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't know, I, it didn't seem like a, a terrible plan. And Stripling seemed like the guy who always should have been more in the Junis capacity. He should be coming in. I, I don't know why they went with uh, Manaya as the piggyback first, but, but I think it was because actually Mania hadn't pitched in a while. So when Mania's first appearance this year was a relief appearance as a piggyback to Stripling, I think it had been like two weeks since he had pitched on, you know, in a game. So that made sense. And then he starts and then Stripling came in and, and made us all sick. That all, you know, that all makes sense to me, to be honest, but it is a little unusual. It's not what you want. I didn't think about the situational reliever element to it because as Doug and I talked about last week, having, Webb and Di Scafani go six strong innings. It kind of takes a lot of those decisions out of the way. But now that Taylor Rogers is not pitchable for right now, and uh, Ross Stripling is not pitchable right now, you got two arms in that bullpen that are on the roster, just taking up space for at least a week. And uh, it's not what you want.
0: It's not a good situation. <laughs> it's, it's not. I, th- I think my last point about Ross Stripling is like I was talking before about Logan Webb's very high homer to fly ball rate. Ross Stripling is giving up home runs on 55% of the fly balls he gives up, <laughs> which it feels like that. But again, that's, there is something very wrong there. And generally at least some part of that is going to be out of the pitcher's control because 55 would be like the, the highest in baseball by an order of magnitude.
2: Yeah, it's enough to make you sick. (laughs) Yeah. So the Giants are five and nine to start the season, which, by the way, that's the same record they had to start the twenty seventeen season. Just to uh, remind everybody that, and uh,
1: (laughs) we're supposed to feel good about that. (laughs) (laughs) The twenty seventeen season also started with, I mean, that game. I'll never forget it because um, my dad, my dad was in hospice, and I remember trying to trying to like get the game, you know, on game day. I didn't have like great internet or whatever, but, but it was, that was the game where Madison Bob Garner had a, had a perfect game until like the sixth or the seventh. He hit two home runs and then they lost the game in extras because the bullpen just imploded. And I just thought, ha, Oh my Lord, this is going to be some season.
0: <laughs> yeah. There, that year, their, their only free agent signing really was Mark Melanson. He right. gave up the lead in his first game.
1: Yeah, beautiful.
0: Couldn't script yeah. it any better.
1: But I mean, Incredible. after like a game that was a perfect game into the seventh, and the pitcher hit two home <laughs> it's like there's something very wrong here. Uh,
2: so they're going to face the Marlins for three, and the Mets for four in Miami for three, and then uh, back at Oracle for four. The Marlins lost today. They're eight and eight, however. And uh, the Mets are the Mets. I feel like it's going to be a tough week, but uh, also we got to figure that the Giants have a huge injury contingent right now. Jock Peterson hit the IL, which means we're back in the Matt Beatty era right on. Or Matt Beatty. It's Beatty. I finally got his name right. Uh, Michael Conforto is still got a tight um, calf. I kind of suspect if he doesn't go on the IL in the next day or two that we'll see him against the Mets, that that'll seem like it'll be a happy thing. Mitch Hanniger and uh, Austin Slater. I think I read an article, so there is a proof of life. Both guys are still alive, but it's unclear when we're going to see them. This might be the week where they actually begin the uh, rehab stint. So Slater, Slater has already begun yeah. his okay.
0: rehab stint. He's been playing for the Rivercats in Reno. Okay,
2: And he's alive, right? It's not yes, a alive. hologram.
1: Okay. He's alive and he hit a home run. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> in, in Reno, though. So in Reno. For fees, yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough.
2: Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, they're going to have to use Taylor Rogers because they're going to be playing seven games in a row. So Taylor Rogers is going to come back in. Uh, Taylor Rogers, if you're listening, and I know you are, I cut you from my fantasy team, so you should be fine. Just want to give you. <laughs> so uh, as we look ahead to this week, what are you, uh, Wendy, what's one thing that you're dreading and one thing that you're hopeful for for this week or looking forward to seeing?
1: Well, I'm looking forward to actually watching Luis arise, um, who I wrote about on hangingsliders.subsec.com on Friday. So he was the American League batting champion last year, and now he's on the Marlins after the Marlins and the Twins essentially did a one-for-one trade of a of a good control under control pitcher for a, for a good under control batter. Anyway, he's on the Marlins now. I'm looking forward to seeing. How many times the Giants can try to get him out? he's batting over five hundred, <laughs> so um you know from that from not from the Giants perspective per se, but i'm I'm looking forward to watching him play um in three games. I'm looking forward to d Scafani starts what's happened to me right I mean <laughs> like this is it d scafani and j d davis the uh, okay. <laughs> And I'm looking. I I'm looking forward with trepidation to see what's going on with Brandon Crawford. Mm. Like he's not hitting at all. I mean, I know he has two home runs, but he's he doesn't look it at the plate at all. And he's gone through periods like this, and he has pulled himself out of it. But he's what is he now thirty six? And yes. the errors he made yesterday were like what? I mean, so I oh I really hate when like really really good players you know kind of go out on a sour note. I don't like feeling like I have to cringe watching someone like Brandon Crawford. So, I'm going to be keeping an eye on that.
2: Doug, what about you? What are you what's one thing you're looking forward to and one thing you're dreading? It can be more than one, but just at least one.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the the Mets and their big offseason signing Carlos Correa come to town. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I mean the the Mets are they're a good team. They're they're kind of fun to watch. They're um, they're interesting, and uh, it'll be good to see them play the Giants, who right now are not interesting. And what I'm not looking forward to is the bullpen, because <laughs> I mean right now basically the only reliever I trust in there is Tyler Rogers. I mean Scott Alexander's been pretty good too. I can throw him in there. Tyler Rogers and Scott Alexander. The rest of them. Are really concerning. I mean, Duvall had his first loss uh, on on Friday, but he's he's looked shaky all year. Um, obviously, we talked about Stripling and Taylor Rogers. Uh, Junis is he's he's fine, but he didn't sh- he didn't do very well against the Tigers. And there just aren't that many relievers who you feel you feel fairly confident in when they come in the game. And uh, it's it's concerning because the Giants don't have starters who are going to go seven innings. So they need the relievers to bridge some of those gaps that they're not doing a good job bridging.
2: I need to see the attendance this week. That's what I'm most looking uh, interested in. Four games against the Mets. I have to assume these are going to be sellouts for no other reason than a bunch of Mets fans are going to be there, I would think. And if that doesn't happen, that's concerning, I guess. Um, but I also, for the Marlins series, I'm looking forward to seeing David VR because he's from Florida, right? So this is like a big homecoming series for him. Uh, I'm He's the guy that I keep going, okay, if, if they can get him on track, that's a guy they can point to as like a player development success in the Zidi regime for a position player. That would be nice. And I think, if, to your point, if Austin Slater is playing, I mean, I want to see him back by the end of the week, by the weekend. I'm hopeful that they really need him in their lineup. Uh, it was, we didn't even talk about this, but the giants 100% won the Darren Ruff trade with the Mets. He's back with the giants. We didn't talk about that. It's you know, he, he hit uh, Clayton Kershaw. They had, to, but that's how desperate the giants were. Like we're going to take Darren Ruff and we're going to bring him back. He's going to be our guy against right-handers or our left-handers. And, uh, you know, Austin Slater against left-handed pitching, um, has been incredible. And so having him in and in the field, would be great, especially with Jock Peterson um being gone. I don't know if he's coming back, right? We don't know if he's coming back this week, but that's something I'm hopeful for. On the pitching end of things, yeah, it's uh, Webb's gotta have a good start. It'd be nice to he's gonna start twice this week, right? He's gonna start against Monday against the Mets and then probably pitch what with one, Tuesday, Wednesday. He's gonna pitch Saturday. No
1: Monday against the Marlins.
2: Uh, Marley Marlins and then Saturday against the Mets. I think if he can hold his own, give up maybe maybe just three runs against the Marlins, which shouldn't be that hard, and then you know pitching at Oracle, we'll see how he does. Uh, I'd like I'd like him to have two pretty solid starts this week before I start to really lean into like oh something else might be going on here. But um, and then hopefully Michael Conforto can play the games. But generally, I'm not looking forward to that Mets series. To be honest, it, it seems like it's it's very much in the boat race territory, and for four games, that might be pretty miserable. But we'll see, uh, Wendy. Is there anything you want to spotlight uh, for your Substack that you think you're going to be writing about this week?
1: Yeah, for tomorrow. So I publish Monday, Wednesdays, Wednesday, and Fridays. Uh, tomorrow, I'm writing about um, uh, Jackie Robinson Day, but writing about how, um, like his, like you don't see really much of his legacy in the broadcast booth. Mm-mm. So we still largely have um white men in both the tv and radio booth for most teams and i in in you know i think the sport understands that it needs to get more diverse that it needs to be attracting um, younger fans and i think the way most people interact with their teams you know is through broadcasters and i think teams are making a big mistake by continuing to kind of Go down that path. So that's what I'm writing about for tomorrow,
0: Doug. So I'm at giantsdoug.substack.com. I write Tuesdays and Thursdays, so you can just swap out me and Wendy. Me exactly, and Wendy perfect. Every day. <laughs> uh, I think this week I am going to look at uh, Taylor Rogers. Uh, is this year good or bad? Who can say? So I'll, <laughs> I'll answer that question finally, and then I'll write about something else, which I'll figure <laughs> out later. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm at McCovey Uh this week. I'll be doing series previews and uh, probably doing a statcast cast recap to see who stood out. I wonder if Taylor Rogers will make it on that one uh, for, for negative reasons. Uh, but Wendy, this has been great having you on is this is your first time on fans first sports network. I'm delighted. Thank you. Check out hanging sliders. And we will be back next week with an all new episode. So until next week,
1: go Giants. Go Giants. Giants.